Hi there, this is the Reverend Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire, and this is Love to Tell the Story. Now I ask you, is there anything better in this world, especially on a hot, humid summer day, than a drink of cold, clear, pure, refreshing water? Yes, water is all of these things and more. And most especially, water is life-giving. Not only in the physical sense, mind you, but also, as it turns out, in the spiritual sense. What we're talking about here is living water, and that's what today's message is all about. It's based on passages from Isaiah chapter 55, verses 1 through 5, and John chapter 7, 37 through 39. It's a message we've entitled, Fresh from the Spring. Well, in yet another reason, I really, really miss being with our church's children in worship. Recently, I heard from uh, another minister about a children's sermon in her congregation. And you see, the lesson for that particular day happened to be about Christian hospitality. And the question she asked the children was this, what is the first thing your parents say when someone comes to visit? Now, here's a little insider information, friends. When we ministers ask kids questions like that, we're actually kind of hoping, expecting, leading even those kids to answer the question in certain ways. You know, like, oh, my parents, they say, hello, come on in, have a seat, or, or aren't you going to stay for supper? You know, that sort of thing. But according to this minister, that wasn't to be. For when she asked, what's the first thing your parents say when someone comes to visit? Immediately, there's this little hand that shoots up and this little boy answers. And quite loudly, my mom and dad say, can I fix you a drink? And that, dear friends, is the joy and the danger of a children's sermon. It's like I've always said, and you've heard me say it, it's worshiping without a net. <laughs> Actually, though, that little boy was on to something there. In fact, he'd unknowingly lifted up a deeply rooted biblical tradition in which one always, always offers a visitor be that visitor, a friend, or a stranger, hospitality in the form of a drink of water, food, or even a place to rest for the night. You see all this happen all through Scripture, actually, particularly in the Old Testament. It's an expression of welcome that was central to the Jewish life and culture, and it was, in fact, considered to be a sacred obligation and an act of faith. It's a tradition of hospitality that actually still is held today in the Jewish faith. Granted, like for all of us, it's not always for spiritual reasons, but yes, it remains as a way of expressing friendship and affection and welcome. In other words, it's an important thing. And though I suspect that in that little children's sermon revelation, the little boy wasn't referring to his parents offering up a cup of cold water, nonetheless, 
he was correct in that a drink often serves as a primary means of showing care and kindness. Think about this another way. Is there anything better when the, you have been outside on a hot, humid afternoon like many of the ones we've had this summer? Maybe you've been mowing the lawn, doing the garden, whatever, and you look up and someone is bringing you an ice-cold bottle of water. Now, to say that that is cool and refreshing is to put it mildly. And the fact that someone actually brought that out to you when you were so hot, well, that's even better. But you see, more than merely a friendly gesture, ultimately, the purpose of bringing you that water is to quench your thirst. It's to help. It's to hydrate and renew your body. And it's to, well, hopefully, to restore your energy for the work that's ahead, what remains. What's interesting to me, you know, is that if you go into any convenience store, you're going to find a whole cooler de uh, devoted to all manner of energy drink. And if you look at what's inside those drinks, you will find that they are chock full of electrolytes and vitamins, um, usually mega doses of caffeine and sugar. But after all is said and done, it's not all those additives that make the difference, is it? All the extra stuff that they put into it actually turns out to be counterproductive, if not downright harmful. In the end, it's the water. The water that does the job. It's water that provides true refreshment. It's water that gives us life. And that makes sense. Because after all, because whether we're talking about the body or whether we're talking about the soul, water is life. Now, I say this this morning because in both of our readings today, water actually stands as the prominent symbol of true spiritual life. It's no coincidence that when the prophet Isaiah was seeking to bring Israel to a renewal of their covenant with God, he begins with what you might call a call to the thirsty. Ho, he says. I love that. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. You know, I, I love that if for no other reason than it's utter enthusiasm. Some Bibles translate that verse as, Hey there! Hey there! All those who are thirsty, come! In other words, the refreshment you need, the life that you've been longing for, it's right here. And all you gotta do is come to the waters and get it. See, the people of Israel, you see, having dwelt in a desert land covered with mountains and valleys and a place where water was not all that easily accessible, a place where cities could rise and fall on the basis of the availability of water, you see, they understood the power, the importance, the meaning of such a thing as come to the waters. They knew, you see, that without cold, clear water, they would feel this unquenchable thirst. And in that thirst, they would 
have to live in helpless desperation. And, and truly, they also understood that to live without God then was no different than wandering around desperate for water in the desert. In fact, you'll find that in many places throughout the Old Testament, thirst itself becomes a metaphor for a broken relationship with God. It's a reminder, you see, to Israel of the many ways that they had broken their covenant with God. All the times that they had hardened their hearts in disobedience. All the occasions when they had turned away from the Lord. I'm wondering right now, even as I say those words, just how many of us can relate to that. How many of us might just know a little bit about that kind of unquenchable thirst, that feeling of helpless desperation. When life becomes for us a, a dry and thirsty land, a place where hope can't be found, and love seems like nothing more than a distant dream. How many of us, I wonder, have felt that kind of profound emptiness in our hearts? A parched space within ourselves that, well, we just tried to fill with anything in any way we can surmise. Yet, which never goes away completely, no matter what we do or how hard we try. So isn't it good news that it's precisely into our life's desert wasteland that God comes? Isn't it wonderful that God comes to us freely and lovingly and abundantly? Isn't it something that God comes to you and to me and says to us, hey there, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters and and you that have no money, come, buy, eat. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? Why do you, you spend all that labor for that which does not satisfy? In other words, none of these things you've been trying, God says, money, worldly accomplishment, physical pleasure, none of it works. Oh, you might feel like it works for a fleeting moment or two, but the truth is, is that all too soon you're going to be thirsty. You'll be desperate for more water very soon. You need water. The pure, clear, and clean water that only I can provide, says God. And the best part, it's not going to cost you a thing. Because, says God, you're mine. I love you. I want you to live. Succumb to the water and let me get you a drink. What a gift. What a blessing this is. And yet, and yet, still there are so many who are not sure that they can accept that. So many of us who don't think we can accept that. Now, some folks, quite frankly, hang on to the belief that there surely has to be something else, something better, waiting in the cooler. And then there are others who just don't realize that they've been thirsty. They just guzzle down whatever they can find, and they have no idea it's not doing them any good. 
You know, I just recently read that in the Southwest United States, it is an increasingly common thing for people to become hospitalized and sometimes even die uh, from dehydration. But the thing that makes this all the more tragic is that, that or these people who are dehydrated was that don't even really realize they were thirsty. You see, most often, especially around here when it's humid along with hot, we go outside and we start feeling thirsty immediately. We know we have to hydrate and, and, and we know we have to do it soon. But here's the thing, in a desert climate, the heat sometimes is just so intense, so dry, that one doesn't always perspire and thus doesn't even start to feel the need to drink some water until it's too late. That's, that's really interesting to me. And if you think of that as a parable, the point is, is that there are so many of us, so many of us, maybe some of us today, who are swiftly becoming spiritually dehydrated and yet don't know or won't admit what it is that we're needing to truly live. It's as though we need some kind of proof about it, right? It's as though we need someone to personally give us that which we never realized we've needed all along. Well, here's the good news. The good news is that we do have that. And it comes to us in the person of Jesus. The one who said in a very loud voice to the people on the last and greatest day of the Feast of Tabernacles, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and let the one who believes in me drink. As the scripture has said, out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. You know, it's interesting. Remember how I just said a few moments ago that in scripture, thirst is often used as an image of a broken relationship with God? Well, conversely, what we also find throughout history is that God has used water in one way or another to give his people what they have needed to have and continue that relationship with him and to have it in abundance. God showed Noah salvation through the waters of the flood. God brought forth a gushing spring of water to Hagar and Ishmael. God parted the waters of the Red Sea. God brought water out of the rock at Meribah. And this is just to name a few examples. And now what we hear in John's gospel is God is bringing us living water so that in drinking of it, we might never, ever be thirsty again. And it's Jesus who brings that water. It's Jesus who is that water. And the best part, as I said before, is all we have to do is come and get it. All we have to do is drink, and we shall be refreshed. You know, here at our camp in Maine, though we have always, at least as long as I can remember, have had running water by and large. We get that water it's pumped up from the lake. The place where we've gotten our drinking water has been elsewhere. And when I was young, 
The source of our drinking water came from a nearby spring house that was uh, built upon the glacial spring that uh, still runs nearby and underneath this camp. And in fact, uh, I have to tell you, this is one of my very earliest of memories and also my first job. At an early age, it was my job, my job, friends, to run down the pathway uh, from this camp that led down to the spring house, so to fill up a couple of jugs of fresh spring water and bring it back to camp. For years, years I did that. Often several times a day, every day, and all summer long. Gotta tell you, especially as I got older and I realized what it was I was doing, there were days that I did that chore begrudgingly. I could not for the life of me figure out how three people could possibly have drunk that much water. But also, that having been said, I also loved going down to the spring because this was absolutely the clearest, coldest, best tasting water ever, still is. I'm not kidding when I tell you that there was something invigorating to me about drinking the water that bubbled up from that spring. You know, all these many years later, I still think about the spring in regard to my life and faith. Friends, I am here to tell you this morning that there is just so much in my life and living that is very good and very satisfying, very refreshing. I consider myself to be a very blessed individual, and I know it. And yet I gotta confess to you that yes, sometimes, sometimes I still get thirsty. There are times and situations in which my life and living feels as dry and parched as a desert. Moments when nothing else seems to satisfy and I need something more. Times when I need a drink from that river that's flowing with living water. Times when I should have my thirst quenched from the only one who can really provide that. And that's God the God who is made real and manifest in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, our Jesus who is living water. Now, how it happens, why it happens, I, I don't know for sure. I just know that when I will come to him, what Jesus Christ gives me is cold and clear and refreshing and hydrating. And when I have taken a drink from that spring, not only do I feel better, not only do I feel as though I could set out on the next part of the journey wherever it might lead, I also feel like I'm alive. Really, truly, vibrantly alive. It is living water after all. That which flows out of a believer's heart. So hey there, friends, ho! Why do you seek to find refreshment from that which only offers it fleetingly? If you're thirsty, why not come to the spring, the spring that bubbles up with the kind of water that only God can provide? 
the kind of spring where you will indeed go out in joy and be led back in peace. A spring where the mountains and the hills before you shall burst into song and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Why not come and get the water there? Why not let it be given to you? Hey, it sounds good to me. How about you, friends? Sounds to me like it's time we all have a drink together by the grace of God in Jesus Christ. And as we do, let us give thanks to God. Amen and amen. And that's the message we've entitled Fresh from the Spring. And it was recorded for our September the 6th online worship service at East Church in Concord, New Hampshire. Now those online services are continuing all through this month of September. So if you're looking for a way to worship, we invite you to join with us every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock via Facebook Live on our East Church Facebook page. In these continuing strange and uncertain days, we have found a whole lot of value in coming together this way. And we invite you to be a part of it. And with that, we're at the end of another episode of Love to Tell the Story. This is Michael Lowry, and I thank you for listening today. And until next time, be safe, be well, and may God bless you with a great day every day. Talk to you soon.